0: Across the world, women find their rights and their freedoms threatened by global and local patriarchal systems. But women and young women have never been helpless, and the ways they organize to bring about change in their communities and nations can have worldwide reverberations. I'm Chavi Sachdev, and in this podcast, I'm going to bring to you the stories of women who have, in fact, changed the world. This is the first episode of the Advocacy Toolkit podcast a four-part series produced by the World YWCA, looking at successful campaigns from recent times within YWCA and the larger women's rights movement, and talking about the stories behind them. We'll hear what the challenges were, what worked, what didn't, and how we can learn from the skills and experiences shared with us. In this episode, I'm going to look at the basic foundation of turning a personal passion for justice into a movement. How do you mobilize your community? How do you build a sustainable, mass women- and young women-led movement? How do you organize individual survivors into a collective force of resistance? Three remarkable women have answers from campaigns in South Africa, Palestine and South Sudan that they organized and were movements that worked.
1: My name is Mandisa Kanyile, I'm the co-executive director of an organization called Rise Up Against Gender-Based Violence. We were born of the Total Shutdown movement, which is an intersectional movement to end gender-based
0: violence in South Africa in particular. Mandisa explained that the Total Shutdown was a South African women's campaign against gender-based violence that culminated in a march on the 1st of August 2018 with thousands of participants. They presented the South African government with a set of 24 demands, one for each year since democracy began in their country.
1: It wasn't just the 32 march sites in South Africa, um, in all nine provinces, but it was also around different countries around the world, such as Kenya, such as Botswana, such as Lesotho, Australia, Germany, Venezuela, and others that we've heard of that uh, had small symbolic actions in solidarity with what we were doing in South Africa on the 1st of August 2018.
0: Mobilizing that many people to take to the streets isn't an easy task and it can't rely on spur-of-the-moment spontaneous participation. Mandisa and her colleagues spent half a year carefully crafting a campaign that would build up to the march, generating the momentum that would bring in the numbers. It takes months of convincing different entities. So
1: we had to go to organizations that run, for example, the religious sector in the country and speak to all the church leaders and ask for them to mobilize their churches. We went to synagogues, we went to mosques, we went to soccer clubs, we went to trade unions. Trade unions were really, really integral in this fight, especially around creating solidarity at an international and a local level and also around resource mobilizations. We then went to already organized uh, CBOs, so that's grassroots organizations that are already operating on the ground. And then we obviously went to big and small NGOs as well.
0: The total shutdown campaign didn't work just through organizations. They had teams in every region of South Africa doing physical outreach every weekend, knocking on people's doors with pamphlets explaining what they were doing and why. While old-fashioned legwork was essential, Mandisa also recognized the importance of an imaginative online social media campaign to successfully market the cause.
1: So we're doing that other work on the ground through the six-month period, but at the same time, sustained movement on social media streets. Our hashtag never, ever lost its trend appeal. The 1st of August 2018 was going to be on a Wednesday. So for a couple of months prior to that, we asked every woman in the country to wear black and red every Wednesday. It actually became a fashion trend. Companies would come in on Wednesdays and do black and red Wednesdays. Keeping it fresh in the minds of people really making it symbolic and making them understand because red was for the bloodshed and black was for the mourning.
0: What made South Africa's total shutdown such a success was that the organisers found a way to connect the larger cause with an action that had an emotional impact.
1: Because we had already decided on a date that because in our country, Women's Month is in August we're going to start off Women's Month with this protest to say it's all very well to celebrate women whilst women are dying in this country and we have one of the highest femicide rates in the world.
0: Moving to a different continent, we can find a similar success story in framing a cause strategically. This is Syrian Sayej in Palestine, with her colleague Selina Salame acting as her interpreter.
2: The farmers felt that we are here to support and not only to provide the grants for them to do uh, the initiative, it is more uh, that we are here by you and we support you uh, to overcome any challenges that we face and uh, make this happen. Since this is what we are, and this is the identity of Palestinians, and um, once you feel or relate these issues into the identity of the organization and the identity of the Palestinians, it becomes it becomes well-rooted within their thinking that we are doing this for a purpose and for a reason and we're not doing this for the sake of a project or
0: anything else. Her team at the YWC of Palestine worked with young women and youth to protect Palestinian land from being confiscated by Israeli occupiers by working with them on the issue of ownership, physical and psychological.
2: If the land is empty and no one is there, it justifies for the occupation to confiscate it and not uh, consider it as one of the Palestinian lands. That's why we work on making the Palestinians exist and um, invest in such areas to emphasize that we have the right to be here and this land is ours.
0: They knew that land that was perceived as barren or empty would be an easy target, and they also knew that Palestinians were eager for spaces where they could connect with nature and the outdoors. So they decided to organize with youth groups to get communal farming on the land plots, spearheaded by young people. To make it a more attractive area for the youth to hang out at, rather than the more dangerous areas near the Israeli military wall, they turned a portion of the land into a play and activity area.
2: So we've worked with 20 youth from the village. Uh, we tried to plowing 10 denims of land and reclaiming it for cultivation, as this helped help the youth to be more economically empowered and support their resilience. The second thing that we thought about our children, and thus in order to um, maintain their right, uh, we provide, We decided to establish a safe space that includes an entertainment area for them. And uh, this ensures that they have fun, but as, at the same time, they um, they focus on protecting the land from being confiscated and as well as uh, serve as an outlet for them.
0: The land which Sirin's group started work with had a water spring on it. But because of the Israeli occupation's rules, the Palestinians were not allowed to use it. So they came up with a practical way to help the farmers. A portable water pump.
2: This mobility of the pump will protect it from being confiscated. And it supports the farmers' families and um, continue with farming the land and
3: get...
0: The best out of it. The women organizing this work were facing life-threatening hostility from the state of Israel.
3: Uh,
2: once we went to the to the targeted land, uh, there used to be a road for um, cars to go there. But then the Israeli occupation decided to uh, road in order not to reach there, and that's when we decided to go there um, walking a lot of stakeholders uh, were uh, questioned were questioned by the israeli occupation and uh, it's a bit uh, dangerous to do this and uh, being involved in a military questioning
0: process the group did find a collaborative partner in the government of Palestine when the Ministry of Agriculture provided them with plants and agricultural tools. Sirin says she cannot discount the importance of having allies.
2: Uh, oh, well, she, uh, we think uh, that um, these strategic partnerships are important and played a, a critical role in making such national campaign a success and uh, have a large echo within the other villages.
0: In 2020, at the UN International Day of Solidarity with Palestinian People, Casey Hardin, the General Secretary, read a statement on behalf of World YWCA and YWCA of Palestine. Living under military occupation has made life unbearable for Palestinians. Israel continues its arbitrary policies of home demolitions, systematic force displacement, movement restriction, and land appropriation. Although illegal under international law, Israel is putting endless efforts towards illegal settlement expansion over Palestinian land within the West Bank and East Jerusalem. World YWCA and YWCA of Palestine have been working to advocate on rights of Palestinians given these lived experiences on the ground, as shared by Sireen. Over in South Sudan, I spoke with Christine Winnie, who worked more directly in reforming the government in power at the national level. My name is Christine Winnie.
3: I work for YWCA South Sudan. And I'm uh, 28 years old. I work as a project officer and then under counselling and trauma healing.
0: Since the 2013 civil war that devastated South Sudan formally ended with the peace agreement signed in 2018, women have been organising for better political representation. The peace agreement included a condition to reserve 35% of all posts in the transitional government for women which is one of the most proven ways to increase participation of women in decision-making. So far, the representation is at best only 20%, while in some counties it is as low as 2%. Political parties have also committed to a youth policy, given that the population of South Sudan skews towards the young. What Christine and her fellow activists found, though, was that young women were being left out of government representation because of their intersectional position as being both women and youth. We had a problem whereby young women,
3: when they go where the youth are, the youth tells them that you're a woman.
0: When they go to women, women tells them that you're youth. So after months of lobbying and organizing at the national level, they were able to get 10% of the affirmative action commitment reserved specifically for young women. We
3: wanted uh, young women to be ministers, young women to be a governor, a young woman to have a position in the government. That is the fight we were fighting for because all the position has been taken by elderly people, the men and the women and the youth. But young women are not there. And uh, so far we have, uh, from this one, we had a success story by. A young woman of uh, 28 years old has become a governor of one of the states in South Sudan. So it gives us hope that uh, at least through the struggle and through the fight, at least 1% among the women is a young woman. So it gives us that hope that at least tomorrow we'll have more young women to uh, to be presented at the national level or in the government. Yeah.
0: As Christine says, getting a policy approved is just the first step because forcing the government to actually follow through with its implementation is a much longer and exhausting battle. In South Africa, similarly, the total shutdown movement faced a similar balancing act of working with or in protest of the government in power. Mandisa explains that while the protest march culminated with their list of 24 demands being accepted by the government, they had to spend the next two years organizing and lobbying to get any of them actually implemented.
1: Government will throw the fact that they don't have resources at you and they'll give all kinds of excuses. We had a second shutdown, but specifically at the economic capital of the country that was sent in shutdown that took place on the 13th of September 2019 when the government had just done nothing in terms of of resource mobilization for uh, the GBV response. They then um, uh, announced an emergency action plan for GBV and allocated an amount of $1.6 billion towards gender-based violence. What that money did is that it gave us rape kits for the first time for all the Tutuzela case centres, which are rape crisis centres, and we also had victim empowerment centres also um, uh, get an allocation of rape kits, so that was a huge victory for us. Earlier in 2020, we had finally the announcement and the signing of the president of the National Strategic Plan on Gender-Based Violence, which is a massive victory. Um, We have seen um, the the, um, police training, so sensitization training of the police, um, of over 5,000 police officers that were cadets. We've seen that being implemented. We've seen a properly resourced a Gender-Based Violence Command Center hotline, which is what was one of our demands. They got new social workers. They extended their support to 24 hours. They also started a WhatsApp line and a please call me service. So, I mean, those are some of the um, the small gains that we've made within the 24 demands. There are still many that are outstanding. We had to have um, some of our comrades go into an interim steering committee to actually have the, the National Strategic Plan implemented. Most of the work was actually done by services society organizations, government was just a vehicle, but the the actual groundwork of going and getting the voices of the people into the NSP was something that had to be done by us. And since then, um, we had to do sustainable work around checking up if, okay. they said they're going to deliver rape kits. We had to send uh, people to go to police stations and check that there's rape kits there.
0: Doing this kind of daily, endless work and keeping everyone's motivation up is one of the main challenges that activists like Mandisa face.
1: Definitely, working for no income for a year was was taxing. Um, I mean, personally, I, I worked on 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 this for full twelve months with with zero income. <laughs> I was lucky to have a supportive family and uh, and friends that really held me together. Um, you need to be driven by your passion. Don't enter the space if you're not passionate about it. It'll, it'll, it'll take everything from you. Look after the people that you work with. Um, care for each other. Understand that you're all giving of yourselves in ways that most people will never understand. And care for, for each other. That would be the, the advice that I give.
0: And that's the advice even Serene has for people following in their activist footsteps. We
2: should believe in our cause and why we are doing it and uh, get as many people in it as possible um, by highlighting why we are doing this and why it is important to us and so on.
0: Christine has
2: this to share.
3: So we need to come and fight for it, though we lose people and then... uh, Other people get just disappeared or missing. We still, we don't need to stop because he or she is no more. We need to continue so that we can fight and get a space for us. Otherwise, we will never get it if we need to sit and we wait for it.
0: Meanwhile, Mandisa brings it back to the basics. Make sure there's always water at a protest.
1: (laughs) If nothing else, (laughs) make sure there's... No, seriously, we had to have ambulances at all of our protests because people would be passing out.
0: These three women from Palestine, South Sudan and South Africa have shared how when passion for activism and persistence in community engagement comes together with an idea that connects with people's needs and imaginations, forcing required change for good is not just possible, but inevitable. The YWCA movement mobilizes towards positive change by actively working on issues of peace, conflict resolution, and gender-based violence alongside the critical work of building leadership and supporting local leaders in thousands of communities around the world with the goal to have young women transform power structures for a sustainable world free from violence of any form. Leaders on ground know the mechanisms of mobilizing communities for action and innovating on the go. YWCAs around the world support this work through the development and mobilization of young women's leadership, with a particular focus in supporting the meaningful participation of young women as leaders in advancing peace and justice in their communities, countries, regions, and the world. As you finish this episode of the Advocacy Toolkit podcast, what are your key learnings? If you are a young leader, what are the lessons you take from the experiences of Mandisa, Serene and Christine in your own work on Ground? If you are an intergenerational leader, what role can you play in ensuring young women leaders in all their diversity have the tools they need to mobilize other young women and girls and larger communities to impact issues that matter to them? By mobilizing communities for action, these young women are championing the causes that matter to them. In conflict or in crisis, young women in all their diversities form the center of change that World YWCA advocates for. You can find out more about our work on our website. Our handle is World YWCA on all social media. This podcast series has been funded by contributions from Norwegian Church Aid and Y Global. With support of young leaders on ground. Why We're the women of the world today. Why We got the power. We got the power. To change. A sonologue production.